Show, don't tell is one of the most relevant writing techniques. It really enhances any piece of written text and really involves the reader by grabbing that person's attention and hooking them. But show, don't tell sure is easier said than done. This strategy involves practice and exposure, and for that reason, it is taught early in the year and spiraled throughout all the way until the end. Now, I am sharing strategies to consider when teaching this writing skill to early writers. I want students to vividly be able to paint a scene with sensory details and with refraining from hurrying the plot development through just using statements. So if you are wanting and seeking the same, I will meet you inside. Welcome to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. I'm your host, Megan Polk. My number one passion is, you guessed it, all things literacy and supporting teachers like you. Join me each week to learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Literacy Dive podcast. I am so grateful that you are tuning in today. Now, if you are a returner, yay, I am so glad you are back. And if this is your first time, I am thrilled that you chose to check me out. And I hope you stay around for a while as I have a bank of episodes available to you and new releases that come out every single Monday. Now, today we are chatting about show, don't tell, and how this can be explained to students so that we see it in their compositions. Now, first, I want to quickly touch on the question, what is show, don't tell? Now, I know that that seems like a common word that we hear all the time, but I also know that This is a valid question, so I want to answer this because in theory, it seems easy to understand, but when applying it, it is actually quite complex. Now, all it takes is a clear understanding, and once you grasp it, there will be no going back to the simple and to the basics. Now, student writing will naturally begin including these principles, so that is why we need to take the time up front to teach it. So simple, I like to explain to my students that as a writer, his or her goal is to provoke a reaction in their readers. Now, they should strive to ensure that their readers can feel the thoughts and they can feel the emotions that their characters are feeling. I try to explain that showing offers the reader a mental image of that scene or of that emotion, while telling merely offers a statement of an action or an emotion. Now, it seems so small, but there is a big difference between show and tell. So let me go a little bit more in depth into the show versus tell technique that I'm telling you there is a difference about. Now, I'm basically going to share what I have said to students in the past when introducing this concept of understanding the difference between show and tell. Show is a tool that is used to pull the reader into a scene. By using this tool, you are helping to create an important and powerful connection between the reader and your scene or character. 
This happens because you are making the reader interpret what is happening instead of just telling the person what he or she should understand or feel. So when you make the effort to show vivid and concrete details, you will help the reader create his or her own conclusions. And guess what? Those conclusions will be the same as yours, only your readers are going to interpret them all by themselves based on your descriptive wording. Show will keep the reader actively involved in your story. Tell will keep them surface-leveled and passive on the plot. So that is just like something that I've said to my students before. And I find that whenever I can repeat that, just keep on saying those types of statements, it really starts to be internalized by the kids. So after going into what I want them to start doing, which is showing, I then like to follow up with what only telling will do to a reader. So I'll say something like, writers, when you make the choice to simply tell, and that's it, you are taking away the reader's opportunity of discovering by themselves the incredible story that you have created for them. You are eliminating the opportunity for your readers to truly get involved and to personally engage with each scene. Readers will not be able to use their imagination or draw from their experiences, or even relate to characters personally if you make the choice to just tell your story. Readers won't be able to make conclusions on their own. You are going to keep your readers outside of the story when what you really want is the opposite. Readers don't want to be told that the character is happy, sad, or angry. They want to feel it and they want to see it. So I like saying it that way because ultimately our students have choices. They can decide whether they are going to take the disengaged route of stating the statements and the sentences that they want in their writing, or if they're going to explore with excitement and showing and being more descriptive. So I love using the words choice because they must know that Every time they write, it is a choice, and they can choose how they want their readers to respond. Now, I will also let my students know that when writers show the story from the character's perspective, the reader is rarely going to want to put the book down. Think about one of your favorite books or even your favorite movie. I ask students to explain what they like most about that movie or what they like most about that book. And then I make the connection that they, as writers, should be creating movies for their readers through their writing. Now, we want our readers to be close in connection with the character and with the events. Our goal should be allowing readers to see, to listen, to think, and to feel what the character is listening, thinking, feeling, and seeing. When a reader gets invested in the life of a character or with the plot, why would they want to abandon it? They won't. They are going to want to get the fun experience of interpreting the meaning that the writer gets to write in printed form. But the truth is, applying show-don't-tell in writing takes effort, 
Each emotion and feeling has to be unpacked and uncovered and unraveled. We want readers to feel the emotion from a scene versus just hearing the actual name of every single feeling within that same scene. So I love examples, so I'm going to give you a quick example, and I just want you to tell me which do you prefer. I gazed into the sky thinking about a million words at once. The butterflies took over my stomach as I crouched over, crossing both hands over my belly. N-E-R-V-O-U-S. I could only hope the words would be that easy to spell. My palms grew sweaty and warm. I stared down at my watch to see that time had flown by. In just 14 more hours, my life could potentially change. Or would you like this example? I was really nervous about the state championship spelling bee. Now, in the first example, my reader is invested in my emotions. They are invested in my feelings. They are drawing their own conclusions based on my words. In the second, they know I'm nervous only because I told them, but they can't really grasp the depth of my nerves. When kids hear the two examples, they will begin to understand the show versus tell strategy, and it is just about building awareness in the beginning. That's it. I will have students verbally share what they felt when hearing both of those examples, when reading both of those examples. I ask them to tell me what they liked about them, what they disliked about them, and I want them to explain why. I do that consistently throughout the beginning of the school year, but I do not stop there. This is something that is a consistent part of our writing block from the beginning of the school year till the end. So now that we've kind of covered that and we have a clear understanding of the two, show versus tell, and why this is so important for our young writers to master. So I am going to dive into eight strategies that you can implement to help your students show and not just tell in their writing. The first strategy is simply having your students illustrate the scene. This is so important because if students can visually see the scene that they are writing about, they will be able to add details into their descriptive sentences way easier. Now, illustrating is different than sketching. Now, I know that I've mentioned sketching before, and that's what I like my students to do so that they are not wasting all their time drawing and they're putting more time into writing. But here, I actually encourage students to draw and not sketch. The colors, the details that they're going to add, those are going to be very important when it comes time to describing the scene vividly. So once the scene is drawn, I tell students to write a descriptive paragraph to describe the scene. If they are not able to do paragraphs, no worries. I just tell them to write a bulleted list of sentences that can describe their scene. They are bound to mention lots of adjectives and verbs, which is what we want them to do. Those verbs can be developed later on. So a way to get students involved with this strategy is to place the scenes around the room. You can make photocopies so that you're preserving the original illustration, but students can circulate the room and add one sentence to help develop that scene. And they can be able to describe what they're seeing. And oftentimes, 
If I'm writing and drawing my own scene, someone else might be able to offer something more. And that is really powerful as well, because ultimately we are writing for readers. So if a reader, someone else that's on looking can see something, we want to make sure that we are including that in our writing for other people too. So I love doing that type of walking around the room like a gallery where other kids can be able to include details on different people's scenes. And this activity really helps the students develop the environment when they are writing their compositions. The second strategy that I like is using the five senses. Now, this strategy is going to take the reader through the scene according to the character's senses. And to do this... I like to have my students make a list of what the character in that story sees, what they hear, what they feel, what they touch, and what they taste. Now, some of those might not apply, but many of them will. And we can often encourage our students to begin writing figurative in their language so they can imagine what that character was tasting even if they didn't taste anything physically at all, like the victory tasted sweet, something like that. So whenever we can encourage them to think that way, they can make a list of those five senses that relate to that character, and that is going to help them become more descriptive. Now, they can easily create this list from a previous scene that they drew, or they can even create it from their memory. After students make their list, they are going to rewrite the scene using strong verbs, but this strategy places the focus on character development. This is key to allowing readers to connect with a character, and it's going to help students see life through a character's eyes. This third strategy of really helping students to understand the difference and the importance of show versus telling is through role-playing or playing charades. Now, this is one of my favorite ways to introduce Show Don't Tell and to keep it going throughout the school year. This is an interactive way to make this concept come to life and no other way to do it than through role-play or playing charades. Now, People are not able to say anything in this activity, but rather they have to focus on using movements and motions to show whatever was written on that card. So from nouns to verbs, there are ways to describe it, and this activity is going to prove it. I would recommend that the teacher do the role play to begin. So that is you. You are going to have a clear understanding of how to show anger, how to show excitement, how to show nervousness. So you are going to have to model and show your students all of the ways that you can pull from your body language without using words to show that feeling and emotion. You can pace the room, you can slam the door, you can stomp your feet, you can jump up and down, you can fidget with your blouse. Whatever you can do to make students guess your word is what you can do. This is so much fun for me as a teacher, and it's so much fun for the kids. And so this can be a routine part of your week if you wanted it to be. So role-playing in charades is a great way to have students call out 
what they saw you do, and what conclusion they can make based on what they saw. This makes this entire skill make a bit more sense to them, and they will begin to see all of the ways to show emotions or feelings versus just stating it with words and sentences. So I would say to encourage your students to join in the role play by including as many sensory details into their skit as possible. And as always, let the dialogue happen. Get your students talking and sharing out about what they saw and what connection they made and how they make that relationship work. So the more you can get students talking about it and sharing about it, and acting it out, the more your students are going to become more sensory and sharing those details in their writing. Hey teachers, I'm interrupting this episode for a quick moment because if you're listening to this podcast, then I'll bet you have students who dread writing time. Or maybe you are out of ideas, time, and energy when it comes to planning your writing block. You work so hard, so for once, give yourself the gift of having the planning done for you. My monthly writing prompts are trusted by hundreds of teachers and are a no-prep way to spark your students' interest in writing while highlighting special days that occur worldwide. The best part? There's a prompt for every single day of the year. Did I mention that it's already done for you? So what are you waiting for? Head to theliteracydive.com slash prompts to grab your year-long bundle of writing prompts. Moving on to number four, which is magazine photos and newspaper clips. If you have access to these, or if you know someone who gets magazines or gets newspapers on the regular, you can use these as part of your show Don't Tell lesson. I think I really like this strategy because it's a great way to pull your student away from their own stories and from the scenes that they are creating, and it puts them into a whole different world. Kids are going to look at these images from magazines and newspapers. They can work by themselves or work with a partner, but they're going to describe the scene by showing and not just telling. It is so great to find scenes where people are in it so they can pull from the character as well from the environment around that person. So if they're looking at the character, they might be looking at the body language. They can be looking at the facial expressions. They can be looking at the weather and the facial expression to draw a conclusion. This is really helpful because students are going to have to turn into that character themselves and envision what that person in that photo or in that newspaper clip is thinking and feeling, which is what we want readers to do when they read our writing. So I love using magazine photos, newspaper clips, something that has rich pictures and people involved because you can really start making that connection come with the showing component. Okay, tip number five or strategy number five is to avoid adverbs. Now, This is going to be a little bit longer. I'm going to do my best to explain this one because you're probably wondering, avoid adverbs? Like what? So let me try to explain this as best as I can. Adverbs are important. They describe the verb, which is way better than just saying the verb because we learn more about the verb with an adverb. We learn the how and we learn the in what way. But 
we also need to avoid adverbs, and here's why. Adverbs distract the reader of the story because they put the writer into the scene. The writer is injecting his or her feelings by giving their meaning to an action. So instead of describing how someone is walking, like slowly or quickly, you as the writer would want to show that and not just say it. We as writers really need to stay out of the story. There is only room for the characters and the reader. I have found that a writer usually will put an adverb into that writing whenever they feel like they are afraid that they are not going to express themselves clearly. And so instead of trying to take the time to describe it, they just stick the adverb there and tell you, oh, they did it slowly. Oh, they ran quickly. So I like to kind of think that that is why the writers will do that. And although that's not always the case, I have to make this like understandable from my students. So I have my students hunt for adverbs and at the sight of one, they are going to revise it. They will remove the adverb and include sensory details of what the character does to show that telling word. And this has been a really powerful practice because they are able to start understanding that there are so many other ways that you can be able to describe what is happening for your reader instead of just sticking in the one adverb. So while an adverb is better than nothing, overall, in a certain scene, I'm going to tell my students that we're going to avoid them. But it's important that you have to make it clear that you have to find a healthy balance between the two. You want to not take every adverb and make it this big elaborate phrase, especially if it's not truly needed. But we're talking, you know, those sentences where we can describe how that character is doing it. We can stretch out this one scene and make it more descriptive. That is where we're looking for adverbs and we are trying to make it more. So, you know I love examples, so let me just give you an example to show you what I mean. So, for this example, I'm just going to say, Lindsay walked slowly through the park. Because the adverb slowly was included, I have now interfered with the reader's interpretation of my description of my story, and I let students know this. They know that Lindsay is in a park and that she's walking slowly, but I've kind of left them there. I follow this up with explaining that I could have shown the same sentence like this. Lindsay walked through the park, stopping to smell every colorful flower she saw, and there were hundreds. She admired the bright blue sky, smiled at the birds tending to their babies in the nest, and she giggled as she watched the squirrels search for acorns and run up the tree. If Lindsay were in a hurry, she wouldn't stop to smell flowers, she wouldn't stop to gaze at the sky, she wouldn't pay attention to the actions of the birds feeding the babies or the squirrels hunting for acorns. So being descriptive, it can be shown that Lindsay was calm and she was walking slowly and she wasn't frantic or in a hurry. But it doesn't end there. We can also gain more information about Lindsay that wouldn't have been uncovered if I just stated that Lindsay walked slowly through the park. 
We can now infer that Lindsay is a person who values and is sensitive to nature. We can infer that Lindsay enjoys being outside and she probably likes animals. And to show the opposite, I could have shown Lindsay throwing items at the bird's nest or at the squirrels, or she could have frowned at the flowers in the sky. That would have showed the opposite. So by showing a scene, we are also allowing our readers to build a profile of the characters that we introduce to them, which is so important for comprehension and for the development of the plot. The reader can draw these conclusions by himself or by herself without our interference. Now, let me say again, using adverbs are not wrong. I absolutely welcome all adverbs into student writing, and this is important when they are just beginning. But through these lessons, they are going to start to take ownership of the power their descriptive writing holds, and they can begin to explore and navigate through showing versus telling. So from above, adverbs often repeat what can already be understood from the surrounding text. So Lindsay's scene was preceded by so many examples of things that she did That took time, so we know that she wasn't in a rush. There is no need to tell the reader at this point that she's walking slowly. The details paint that picture for them. This next strategy focuses on actions and reactions. Here, you're going to tell your students to not tell the traits of a personality of characters, but instead to show those traits through their actions. This is going to focus on traits like brave, being spoiled, kind, athletic, being creative, mean, traits like that. You want the reader to see how the character acts and reacts to the events in the plot, and that will easily reveal the character's personality. You no longer have to state that that person is mean. The best way to actually teach this skill is to use mentor text or short stories. When teachers ask about specific texts, I almost have to reply, all of them work. Any narrative story is going to have to develop the characters in some form or fashion so it becomes easy to use what you're already currently reading. You do not have to go seek out anything in particular. Now, there are some books that lend itself really well to character development, but almost any fictional narrative text is going to work well for this. Now, I do have a mini lesson set on character traits and feelings that I'm going to link in the show notes, and this really helps students to draw upon characters' actions and reactions to help draw a conclusion or to make an inference about a person. This is really about exposure, and the more opportunities you can reference actions and reactions, that is, how a person is responding to the event, whether positively or negatively, it's going to show a lot about a person. So instead of writing, he is a bad man, you may describe him as taking someone's money. You will immediately convince the reader that he is not a good person if he is stealing or taking something from somebody. Leave it to the reader to determine those generalizations about the character based on what he or she does. So another example, instead of writing, she is patient, You may describe her starting over for the 50th time of trying to tie her shoes, but doing it with a determined smile. This is going to let the reader know that she is not frustrated, 
But instead, she's assertive and she is not going to give up until she figures out how to tie her shoes. Body language and facial expressions are a big part of how we communicate, so students must realize that characters also need to have that. And just like humans react differently with each emotion, physically, we have to begin developing our characters this way too. Examples of this might be swallowing dry when feeling nervous, frowning when feeling upset, but scowling when feeling angry. Body language is a real thing, and the more we can put this notion in front of our students, the more they will internalize this and begin becoming more aware of it within their writing. So this next strategy is practice being specific. The idea here is that the more specific you are in the descriptions, the easier showing it will be. But kids don't really know what it means to be specific. We have to demonstrate this for them. I like to be as simple as possible because this is a tricky skill. So being specific will help them to fill in those blanks that are telling leaves for our readers. Specific details are going to help to develop a dynamic scene. We will begin with general statements like, the dog is happy to see its owner. Instead of just telling that statement, we can show how happy the dog is when the owner gets home. The dog jumps up and down, wags his tail back and forth, and he licks the owner's face at the first chance he gets. These details support the fact that the dog is happy to see its owner. You will want to have simple sentences like that when you're practicing this skill with your students. Simple sentences like, the girl likes playing outside. The mom is tired from driving. The boy doesn't feel well today. The turtle is scared. When you start with a simple sentence like that, you can allow your students to develop it by showing two or three actions that they would see within that scene. Okay, we are on number eight. This is our last strategy that we are going to talk about today, and that is encouraging dialogue. Now, using dialogue is one of the easiest ways of showing It shows action in real time, which is so helpful for the reader. They can follow along with the back and forth conversation or with the commands of one character, and it shows a lot about the scene, the characters, and the plot structure. So the simplest way to begin adding this type of detail is by asking your students, what was said? Did anyone say anything? What words did you hear? If they can respond and answer, you will want to let them know right then, whoa, pause. You need to include that into your writing. You have to make that a big deal and show them that that is an important detail and it should go into their story. The repetitive nature of this becomes ingrained in their minds and it really will become secondhand nature in no time. I truly love all things writing and helping writers become more descriptive is a big focus of mine, not just from a student perspective, but also from a teacher perspective like you. I like taking the guesswork out of your prep or from coming up with your own examples, so I would love for you to check out a set of show-don't-tell charts that have transformed my students' writing. They offer several starting points of actions and descriptions, as well as blank charts for students to build their own examples pulled from mentor text. They have truly been a game changer, so be sure to check them out. 
Regina said, This is a great resource to scaffold students who have difficulty adding details into their writing. This was very helpful for my struggling writers. And Jennifer said, I have many charts and posters by this author, and they are some of my favorite go-to resources every year. The material is always organized in a way that is visually uncluttered and completely user-friendly for the students. The content is not overwhelming, yet can help teach the most essential basics with lots of examples for greater student clarity. Showing, not telling, can be difficult for students. This resource is an excellent starting place for a discussion that will elevate the student's writing. I love hearing different feedback when it comes to resources that I truly believe in. And so I will be leaving this link in the show notes for you if you want to check it out. And if you have used these or if you decide that you want to give it a try, send me a message and let me know how your students are responding to it. For now, I just want to leave you with these two words. Stay encouraged. This is an exciting time for your students. They are about to get the exposure of a lifetime, and you are going to be the one to make this come to life for them. Trust me, show, don't tell will become easier to the point that it's going to be embedded effortlessly in student writing over time. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Come hang out with me over on Instagram at The Literacy Dive. I would love to hear from you in my DMs. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button and share this with a friend. I'll catch you in the next episode.